Well, hey, we're in the midst of a series called Relatability. And we're talking about all things relationship. And Pastor Ralph kicked us off on our first week talking about the importance and the, the necessity of relationship for each of us. That relationships are, are the only thing that come to heaven with us. And then last week I started uh, talking about the dynamic duo of long-haul relationships. So for last week we took talked about one of those dynamic duo, and this week we'll talk about the second one. And in all of the, these two things here, we're uh, recognizing that, uh, that there are some very practical things that God would call us to do that'll make the difference in our relationships. So last week we talked about communication, and this week we're going to talk about conflict resolution resolving conflict, dealing with conflict. So without further introduction, let's just jump right into this, this topic of resolving conflict. First thing we need to acknowledge and we need to understand, conflicts are common. Uh, conflicts are common to all of mankind. They've been around since the beginning when uh, Cain became jealous of Abel and killed him in an outburst of anger. Uh, centuries later, when the United States was divided by civil war, it was President Lincoln who wisely referred to uh, the biblical admonition, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And that's in Matthew 12, 25. God poses a question in Amos 3, verse 3. How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And the answer is they can't. They must be in one accord in order to effectively work together. And so, you know, the evidence of or the, the events of these last 14 months have brought to surface more frustration, division, conflict, opportunity for all that stuff, and in perhaps a grander scale, you could say arguably, than, than maybe any other time in, in our in our modern time, in our modern generation, for, for this generation. You know, it's just brooding, it's seething, it's out there, we see it everywhere. And you know, just as a pastor, uh, in all of my pastoral interactions, uh, it, just in living life, I have found, now hear me, most people don't resolve conflict. And that's sobering. That, that, that's, you know, one of the biggest things I, I, I'm believing God wants to just sort of crack open today. Number one is that we recognize that, that conflict is going to be there. We can't avoid it. Uh, and, and, and then to acknowledge most people don't actually deal with it. And so, you know, what happens is a lot of times there'll be, you know, uh, an argument, uh, a butting of heads, and, and maybe some, some emotions and things, and then people will settle down and then just sort of just go on with their life. And then what's happening there is, you know, then it becomes a silent killer of relationships because then deep below the surface, there's resentment, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's things that are being harbored that wind up becoming very toxic for that relationship being a long-haul relationship. You know, recent research has shown that couples, couples break up because they don't know how to resolve their differences through communication. That's why we started with that last week. And hostility only breeds more hostility. So venting negative emotions can clear the air temporarily, but it doesn't solve the underlying problem like I was just speaking to. You know, and backing away from conflict and ignoring it only makes the situation worse. Two men who lived in a small village got into a terrible dispute that they couldn't resolve. 
And so they decided to talk to the town sage. The first man went to the sage's home and told him his version of all that happened. And when he he finished, the sage nodded and he said, you are absolutely right. And then the, the next night, the second man called on the sage and said, hey, hey, you heard his side of the story. You got to hear the other side of it. You got to hear my side. So the second man uh, told him everything, all the story. And the, the, sta- the sage re- responded and, and, and nodded his head. And he said, you are absolutely right. And while the sage's wife was in the background hearing all this, and she said to him after that second man left, she scolded him. Those men told you two totally different stories, and you told them they were absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. And the sage turned to his wife and said, you are absolutely right. Isn't that what people do, right? Just, you know, just kind of mindlessly not resolving, not dealing with the conflict. Now, we all have different personalities. I know for me personally, I'm wired by God. I'm more on the side of I'm a peacemaker. I'm not somebody that kind of runs into the conflict. I've learned over the years, I've learned that that it's important to address the conflict and deal with it, but I'm not one who's wired. Man, I got to get in there, deal with it right away, get it over with. Come on, charge, you know. Now, just out of curiosity, let's see see who I'm uh, I'm sharing with this morning. So, who here watching online, you can go ahead and raise your hand too in, in whichever of the who here is the run right into the conflict person? Raise your hand. All right. I, and and, and, and the, the go right into the conflict people, you didn't hesitate. You were like, that's right. That's me. Come on, bring it. All right. Good. Good. That's good. And that's how God has wired you. Man, we need you. All right. But how many are wired like me where you're a little more like, all right, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll feel it out. We'll see if we have to kind of, you know, all right. So that's ah, a pretty, pretty decent mix. I just want you to know that those that are in my camp are kind of like, you know, kind of took their time put, putting their hands up. It's, you know, it's just, just how, you know, how it is. But here, the, the message that, that we want to be clear is this. Uh, those that disagree together endure through disagreements happily only if they employ conflict resolution. So, so understand here, all of this introduction has been speaking to there will be conflict. You know, and hey, you know, I, I mentioned this at the end of the service last time. I want to put it in our, in our thinking, in our prayerful, you know, uh, reflection on the front end here. Hey, if you've had bad examples of dealing with conflict in your past, in, in the environment you grew up in, in certain environments that, you know, make sure that you didn't learn the wrong lesson. Make sure you didn't learn uh, all conflict is bad. You know, when we experience environments where people handle conflict wrong, the lesson isn't don't do conflict. The the, the lesson is don't do it wrong. Can you say amen? Right? So we want to make sure uh, that that we understand it. It's a part of things. And and so with that, I want to take a look at Acts chapter 15. We're going to look at Paul. Uh, We're going to look at Barnabas. So, So here we have apostles. We have, you know, mature seasoned saints and they experienced some pretty grand conflict here. So let's take a look. We're looking at verse 36. It says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. 
Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we all got the picture there, right? You know, these are, you know, I mean, I mean, Paul's writing most of the New Testament, you know, and miracles happening through these anointed godly people. And they had conflict. They had a, a pretty serious conflict to the point where they, they parted ways. Let's look at a couple of principles, uh, wisdom nuggets that we can pull from this in understanding our approach to conflict. So, so first is that, hey, we never outgrow our tendency to be in conflict with one another. You know, again, we see these are, these are mature saints. Conflict may arise even among mature Christians like Barnabas and Paul. In this passage, they disagree so sharply that they separated from one another. Paul judged Mark severely on the moral grounds that he wasn't mature enough to be trusted to take again on the missionary journeys. Barnabas, on the other hand, tended to be more lenient, and he was willing to grant clemency to Mark. But here, here's, here's something we need to recognize. When both leaders thought they were fighting for the Lord, they were actually contending for themselves. Man, that's sobering. Isn't it so easy to pull the God card? Right? So, and, and, and just because we love the Lord, just because we know the word, doesn't necessarily mean that, that we got this thing all figured out. And, and here it is for both of them actually contending for, for each of their own perspectives. So, hey, a good prayer that we can have when it comes to conflict, Lord, help me to resolve conflict in a way that brings the greatest glory to you. Right? So we're no longer saying, dear God, have mercy. How can I just avoid conflict altogether? Right? We're, we're, we push that away and we say, no, Lord, when, when conflict comes, let me do it in a way that, that is glorifying to you. And, and here, here's what we want to look at with this. It's how we handle conflict that either brings us together or slowly drives a wedge into the relationship. L let me look at this in a very practical way here. So different aspects of conflict, right? So there's the issues. There's an issue at hand that's created conflict. Well, if we approach it the right way, um, we raise and we clarify the issues. If we handle it in the wrong way, we bring up old issues, right? We're, we're, we're not getting anywhere by doing it that way. And then feelings, we express both positive and negative feelings when, when we're trying to move forward and handle it in a constructive way, negative, damaging, expressing only negative feelings. Uh, with the information that we have, being complete with the information and honest with it, that is constructive, that God, God can work in that. But if we are selective with our information, you know, just kind of bits and pieces here and there, skipping over parts of the, the picture, then we can get into trouble. When a conflict is focused on the issue, we can get through the issue. When it's focused on the person, ah, we're not going to get very far. It's not going to be very constructive. If we accept mutual blame, then, then you know, we, we, we got to be able to acknowledge there's always two parties in the picture. I, I did have a situation over this weekend with, uh, it was actually with my mom. She, she wasn't having a good day. 
And I realized it, and I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to, uh, and I can share this because we laughed about it after the fact, you know, but she was, uh, she's kind of ornery, and I thought, well, you know, let me love her, let me just serve her, let me just, just really try to, you know, extra TLC here. And at one point, finally, she looked at me, she said, what's with your attitude? <laughs> How many have a mom like that? Come on, you know, can we have a moment, therapy session? And I said, my attitude, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be polite to you. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to go above and beyond. She goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I accepted the blame. I said, I apologize. <laughs> With that, she laughed and she said, all right, you know, we're, we're able to get on here. But hey, truthfully, the, the, we have to look at, oh, wow. Hey, I had no malice in what I just did, but from your shoes... I could see where you might, you know, understanding, you know, in a situation where we share responsibility, if you think blame is too strong of a word. But whenever it's destructive, there's always going to be blaming the other person for the problem, right? Um, Focusing on similarities versus focusing on differences. And that, I tell you what, that could move beyond immediate family. And as we look at healing in our world, Man, there's a lot of people, hey, let's just talk for a moment as Christians. There's a lot of people who think not as Christians. Are we going to build a bridge throwing stones at them for what they don't believe about Christ? Or can we build a bridge on where there's something common where we can bring the love of Christ to their heart? And then as God gets in their heart, he'll show them how to work some of those other areas. Can you say amen? Right? You know, so, so it's all our perception. Do I approach it? Hey, how about this? Do I approach it like the other person is the enemy? All of the political, I'm going to meddle some here, all of the political conversation over this last year, we, re, we refer to a person as a, and we call them, their, their identity as their political party. And, and, and we're saying it derogatory, aren't we? We're saying they're the enemy. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of resolving of conflict when that's the apparent picture that's being conveyed between people. Come on, can you say Amen. You know, we're talking about let, let's resolve it. Let's look at how we can be instruments of the Lord in reaching other people. Uh, how about the, in the outcome? Both win when it's constructive. In, when it's destructive, one wins, one loses, or both lose. And a lot of times that's the case. And then wh- whether you want to, s- maybe the word intimacy, if it's too strong of a word, you know, here's what, what I'm getting at. When we resolve conflict, there's greater intimacy. Or if, if we're talking about work colleagues or, or something like that, there's greater trust. There's, there's greater opportunity for there to be a strong foundation for that relationship moving forward. So when we're in conflict with someone, there's one factor more than any other that will make a difference as, as we are trusting the Lord, and that factor is attitude. It's the attitude that we bring to it. All right, so that was the first kind of nugget of truth that we get from this passage. Second one is to recognize Christ's love triumphs over all conflicts when we exercise it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ's love triumphs when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, check it out, going back to our personality differences, God uses Paul's sternness. He wouldn't budge, right? But God used his sternness to raise the bar in Mark's life. You know, Mark saw Paul's response and he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't say, I blew it the first time. I guess I'm done. But he got back up. And then the Lord used Barnabas's love to give Mark that sense of belonging and to give him that opportunity for for, uh, redemption, for restoration. So without Holy Spirit's leading, now now listen here carefully, without the Holy Spirit's leading, the harshness that can be a weakness 
of a personality like Paul's. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the other personality too, so don't think I'm picking on anybody. How many know every one of us, our strength can be our weakness? So that direct, let's face it, let's get into it, that is a gift, that is a strength. I want you to hear that very clearly. But all of us, in the enemy's hands, in the flesh, our strength can be used as a weakness. So, but when Holy Spirit gets involved, that harshness, uh, I should say, if he doesn't get involved, that harshness can become abusive leadership, right? It can be toxic relationship if Holy Spirit isn't in that. You know, and then we can just defend it and say, well, that's just because I'm direct. We spiritualize it in the church and we say, that's because I'm prophetic, right? But on the other side, let's not let my personality off the hook. The, the kindness of Barnabas, if that's not met with a Holy Spirit working in the midst, that could lead to compromising. That could lead to not confronting when it's absolutely the right thing to confront. It could lean, to, uh, lean into being too soft in the relationship. And that doesn't help anybody either. Come on, can you say amen? So, so notice, you know, the, the beautiful, unique ways that God wired all of us in the enemy's hands can be used to bring a train wreck. But in God's hands, it can be used to heal and restore and do wonderful things. Galatians 5, to 23, in the first part, it says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So again, a prayer that we could pray as we're talking about conflict. Lord, uh, let, let your help be real in our lives. Let your spirit control us so that we can harness the good qualities in how you wired uh, uh, us in our personality. Lord, let it be that Holy Spirit works so it's the good things that you put in us that our personalities are used to lift up and to, and to heal and to bless other people. Romans 12 verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. And Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So again, as we're talking about the work of the Spirit, the power of the love of God, the, the fruit of the Spirit, these things all, all paint a picture from the Word of God uh, on, on uh, how we should be doing it. Can you say amen? amen? All right, number three, the Lord powerfully used the separation of Paul and Barnabas to multiply the mission enterprise. So here comes the enemy. The enemy wants to divide. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But God causes things to work together for his good. And so in this situation, uh, it winds up being that now there is multiplied uh, efforts that are going on. Uh, there's a valuable life lesson that John Mark is learning about quitting and bailing out, and, and he's restored and he's redeemed. But, but the thing for us is to learn to trust the Lord's ability to work all things together for his good. Uh, uh, we love God. We try to fit into his plans instead of trying to follow our own desires. And again, it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sometimes that's hard to remember. It's especially hard to remember in the face of conflict. Wait a minute, God, in the face of this, you want to work together for our good uh, so, so that you'd be lifted up in us. 
And it says in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He'll use conflict to conform us to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So a lot of times people forget that God is sovereign and he's able to turn anything that looks like it's going down into something that'll work for his good. Come on, do you know that to be true? Tragedies into triumphs, defeats into victories, problems into opportunities, divisions into multiplications, humiliation into character-building experience. So we can ask the Lord, God, help us to focus on your miraculous promise to work all things together for your good. All right, the fourth one that we'll look at here, uh, that, that when we're dealing with conflict, we need to clarify how much each individual or circumstance uh, contributed to the conflict. So no dispute is caused by one individual or condition. Most are complex interactions, and there's multiple factors that are involved. So, so that's just a part of the picture. There was a lot that was going on here. There was, there was Barnabas's personality. There was Paul's personality. There was Mark's personality. And uh, uh, all these, you know, factors that we don't even have boots in the ground knowledge of what was going on with them. Uh, so we want to make sure that as we're looking, uh, that, that we realize God ultimately has it in his hands. And again, back to this picture of God will make it work for good. You know, we're reminded in James 1 verses 2 and 3, and, and I'm still working on this one. I'm not there yet on this church. I'll just tell you, I, I need some work. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Anybody else still working on that all joy part of it? He gives us the hook. He lets us know why we can do that. It says, because the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. I want endurance. I really do. I, I, I want it to grow. I want it to stretch. But I don't know that it's all joy. Like, oh, I'm so glad a trial came today. Yes. No, like it's all joy. Like, hey, I got an unexpected present or look, the parking spot right by the door. There's lots of things that bring joy, but I don't know that we go and say, oh my goodness, I've gotten pounded this week with trials. Glory to God. Right? So we got some work to do on that one. But that, that'll really help us not get in, in the flesh when the conflict is going on. All right. The ne next nugget for us to look at, we need to give our frustrations, our disappointments, and our hurt feelings over to the Lord instead of harboring feelings of anger or fear. John Mark had to let go, right? How many know that? I mean, I mean get the picture in the moment. Again, it's, we didn't get a ton of detail laid out there, but man, that must have been pretty hard for him for, for Paul saying, you know, John Mark is saying, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And Paul goes, you're not going with me. You blew it, man. You know, how hard would it have to been? Like, I can't believe you're, you know, you're treating me that way. I can't believe you're responding. You know, instead he said, no, I'll humble myself. I'll go. I'm not going to quit. And, and then Barnabas, being that instrument of reconciliation, finds a pathway to go on and, and continue to fulfill God's calling for his life. But the, I, I want you to hear that word again, harboring. You know, we don't want to harbor feelings of anger or fear. Let's add unforgiveness. Unless we learn to turn our anger and fear over to God, we're going to be prone to self-destructive attitudes, behaviors, and thought patterns. And they're just going to continue to add uh, junk as, as, as a fruit in our lives. So we can confess our sins. 
sins of what we committed, sins of what we omitted, we should have done, but we didn't, uh, the, the wrong disposition, the, the faulty assumptions that we made. How many know that it's so easy to do that when we're in conflict to, to decide what's going on in someone else's heart? And, and, and we can't do that. And in the Word, it tells us we can't do that. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride leads to arguments. Be humble, take advice, become wise. You know, so, so rather than harboring to just recognize, God, I don't know the story. Lord, I don't know that that's your servant. I'm not going to try to figure out what's going on there. I can just make sure for me that I have things right with you. And I'm choosing to let go of uh, whatever I would be holding on to. Come on, can you say amen? All right, and then I have, I have a couple of practical things I want to get to in just a minute, but the last point I want to bring up that, that we can relate to this passage of Scripture, we need to avoid using past conflicts or others' mistakes as weapons, right? We know love keeps no record of wrongs. So we need to avoid speaking evil about others. And again, leaning into what I said just a minute ago, we don't know what's going on in someone else's heart. We need to know that God alone is the judge and God alone is perfectly objective. Remember, I I learned this lesson um, and I tell you, I learned it so much that it's probably 20 something years later and and, and it's it's that total recall. Uh, I remember there was a time when I was youth pastoring in North Jersey and I was with our leader team and I was bringing the word of God to to the group. And you don't interrupt when you bring the word of God, right? And so my attitude wasn't exactly where it needed to be. And, and uh, one of the young ladies on our team, there was a little conversation that started to ensue. And I just, I just went right to flesh rather than, God, I don't know what's going on. You know, let me walk in humility. Let me just find out what the deal was and talk to the person. So instead, I decided to clean their clock in front of everybody right there in the spot to which they busted out in tears. And there's not a person that was prone to tears when my lightning discernment kicked in and I was like, I may have missed something here. You know, so after things got over, I wound up having the conversation and I had, I was allowing myself to feel dishonored. I was allowing myself to think that they were doing that and could care less, that they knew they were disrespecting me, that they knew how I was feeling and that they were happily doing it. I mean, just come on, don't, don't look at me so, so holy. You've, you've been there too. Come on, right? You know, but I, but I tell you, I was, I was so humbled and I was, I was kind of crushed. But it was a moment that God used, and I don't want to suggest that I've done it perfectly since then, and I don't want to suggest that that's the first time that God was trying to get my attention. But that was a moment that became uh, embarrassing enough for me that it it became something God used to develop my character. And again, not not that I've done it perfectly, but that has built in, as you can see, I can bring that right up at recall, uh, a painful enough of a thing. And, And when you know you're trying to bring healing and you know you handle something in the way where it actually did the opposite, adds insult to injury. So that, that's why it just so landed. But, but it was the discipline of the Lord training me so that I could deal with conflict better in the future, right? You know, so uh, it's not my job to try to figure out somebody's motive or what's going on in their heart unless we're going to take time to talk about it. Well, 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 where are you at? What are you thinking? What, why did you do this, you know? Um, so let's just wrap this, uh, this section up and we are getting down to the end. 1 John 1, 7. So if we take all of these things, walking in the power of the Spirit, the love of God, humility, um, recognizing all these things, I think we can look at this as, as a reward, 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ does, 
then we have wonderful fellowship and joy with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. Amen? cleansed from sin, walking in the joy of, of sweet fellowship. Okay, so just with the last remaining couple of minutes, I, I, I want to get super practical on some things, some solutions to ha- handle conflict. You still tracking with me? Yep. All right. Number one, avoid the words always, never, and everybody. You always do this. You never do this. By the way, everybody feels this way. Right? Those are all things that are not going to be constructive to, to help move the conversation down the road. I, I, I've started calling people on that. Just want you to know, everybody's upset. Okay, label everybody. Start with one and name them all. Well, me and the person I was gossiping with in the hallway were everybody. Oh, good. Okay, that's a little bit different of a picture. So we need to have a conversation, not everybody needs to have a conversation, right? Uh, Number two, rather than attempting to resolve the issue my way or your way, uh, we can work toward something that's our way. You know, what, what's something where we can work where, where we both uh, wind up winning in the situation? This can be especially difficult for someone who is very competitive. So can we have an honest moment and, and we can check in on whether you're lying or not now and watch how you are in like Monopoly or like, you know, like playing cards or video games, whatever it is. How many are competitive online? How many are competitive people? If we're not careful, we take competitive into winning the argument. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, I, I, as a matter of fact, uh, I heard John Maxwell share this. This was very, very touching to me. Uh, it played basketball, you know, uh, just really, really grew well at debating. And so he took that into his marriage. And anytime him and his wife would have uh, an argument, he was so much stronger in his debating skills that he was winning every argument until one day she came to him and she said, John, you hands down are winning every argument, but I want you to know you are losing my heart. Wow. And with that, he went into his study, got on his face, wept before God, then went back and apologized to his wife. And he said it was a turning point for him to realize, man, when it comes to relationships, and and this really leans into our our next point. Not only is it realizing it's not a I win, you win, it's a we win, but then it's also never letting the issue become bigger than the relationship. That is such a good practical thing. If we start catching ourselves where we're saying, we're making this bigger, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? It's the relationship. All right, and then I found this one really, really helpful too, being truthful without attacking. And sometimes that can be hard to do. Uh, uh, Les and Leslie Parrott, they are Christian marriage counselors. Uh, they're, they're pretty well known. They talk about the XYZ formula for uh, being truthful without attacking. So here's the wrong way. You, you know, th- this would be the wrong way. Why do you have to come home from work and instantly get on your computer? You know, that, that's kind of like, in, like a, in, an attack mode. Instead, in this situation, that's X, when you do Y, I feel Z. There's no judgment. There's no putting the person in the defensive mode. You know, it's just simply, here's the situation, and when you do this, here's what I feel. 
and, and now we can have a conversation about it. That's confronting, that's telling the truth, but it's getting the issue out with being critical of the person. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then last practical thing here, quick to apologize, quick to forgive, and quick to move on from the conflict. Come on, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'll forgive, <laughs> I just won't forget. <laughs> now we want to we walk in 1 Corinthians 13, agape, I keep no record of wrongs. You know, we're going to get past it, we're going to move on, and then we're going to believe the best to move forward. Hey, to wrap this up in prayer, uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It, it works in every facet of relationships that we have. But as we close here today, I just want to give us an opportunity. I, I really want to zero in on two things. Have you been looking at conflict like it needs to be avoided like the plague? If you have been, then allow yourself to see conflict differently. Because if you're not dealing with conflict, you're probably stuffing it in some way. And it's, it's ultimately long-term not going to bring the health that God wants. And then the second thing we should cover and look at here too is if there's unresolved conflict that we would invite God into the situation and however we're seeing it and however we're dealing. Can you say amen? amen? So Father, as we close service today, we're so grateful for your love. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you abide inside of us, that you lead us, that you are the inward witness, that you're the, the still small voice that leads us into the truth. And it's our desire, Lord, to live as people of the truth. It's our desire to be people that walk with great fruit of the Spirit pouring out of our lives. So God, we pray here today as we've talked last week about communication, this week about resolving conflict. Lord, I pray that you would fill us afresh and anew, that you would, you would just enable us by your Spirit, that we would be motivated to do the work of communicating, to do the work of resolving conflict. And Lord, if we've been avoiding it because maybe we've had bad models of conflict, ugly stuff in the past, Lord, we recognize that there is a healthy working through conflict that we must all embrace. And so help us to do that by your wonderful grace. And Lord, finally, we just pray that if there's stuff that we've not dealt with, if we've harbored unforgiveness, bitterness, frustration toward others, Father, just as a choice, as a choice as unto you, we say that we forgive, we say that we release, we say that we let it go. And God, we, we just thank you for working in that. If we have challenging relationships, Lord, work in those relationships as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.